Maybe you're about to attend your first board meeting as a board member. Maybe you've been to a few meetings. They're just simply not really clear. It all seems a little bit fuzzy and a little bit daunting. But it was flattering to be asked, wasn't it? You are deeply passionate about the mission of the organization and the work it does. At least I sure hope you are. But what should you expect? And what does the organization expect from you? This episode has no other guest. Just me. And I chose this topic in this format because it would be my fondest hope for this podcast to be played for new board members, maybe at an orientation. Maybe you send it to them ahead of time, or perhaps at a board retreat when you're setting or resetting expectations. So a few tips before we get started. One, if you do board service well, it will be more work than you imagine. Two, it will be more responsibility than you probably understood. And three, it may be more frustrating than you might have guessed. Do not be daunted, because that said, if you and your organization get it right, or even pretty darn close to right, your board service will be a rewarding joy and privilege of the highest order. Welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. Not enough money, too many cooks, and an abundance of passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, the dear Abby of nonprofits, gets it, and she is here to help. Today, I'm going to give you 20 words of advice. Some of it's advice. Some of it's things I think you need to know in order to be a great board member. There's a little bit of a myth-busting in here, a little bit about what to expect, but mostly it's what I wish board members understood about nonprofit board service. So with that as my intro, let me begin with my 20 words of advice. Number one, accept a board position and you have accepted a job. I want you to think about it as if it's a job. I want the board recruitment committee to think about bringing on board members as if they are hiring them, because that's what you're doing. These are jobs. These are roles that must be taken seriously. We understand you have other commitments, but you have to take this one seriously. So think about it as a job. Here's number two. You and your fellow board members are not simply part of an appendage to the organization. This entity that lives over there, that helps out from time to time, that gets pinged to sell tickets to galas or to get people to sponsor rides or walks, no, you're not over there. You are right here. Those of you who know me well hear me talk about the thriving nonprofit like a twin engine jet. In a twin engine jet, you need both engines working at capacity to fly a great trip to a fabulous destination, right? If you consider yourself an engine and a twin-engine jet, you know you are no appendage to anything. Here's number three. As a new board member, 
you deserve a really good orientation. Some folks put a lot of work into their orientations and it totally pays off. I've written on my blog at joangary.com. You can search up good, great board orientations and see some good tips and tricks. But here's what, here's what an orientation really needs to do for people. It needs to give them the basic information, context, history, data, goals. I need to be placed in some kind of context. Where's the organization been? Where is it today? Where is it going? Is it financially stable? How are, what are my colleagues like? What do they do for a living? Right? What are the purposes of the different committees? There is so much that is assumed by people when folks joined boards. Somehow as if they've always been on many, many boards and know exactly what happens. And anyone who has ever served on a board, anyone who has ever served on more than one board, will tell you that every board is different in some kind of way. And the orientation provides you like a compass with an understanding of where you fit in and where the organization is today in its lifespan. I don't know how a board member could participate fully with all that he or she brings to the table without a really solid understanding of the nooks and crannies of the organization. You deserve a good orientation. And if you don't get one, you should raise your hand and say, I want to be a great board member, and I don't think that I have been given the tools to do so. I don't really understand the finances. The board orientation book didn't include any information about my fellow board members, yada, yada, yada. Right? Be part of the solution if there's no great board orientation. Okay, number four. Your job is to serve as a visible and vocal ambassador and to enthusiastically invite folks to know more and do more for an organization you feel really passionate about. You are an ambassador. Think about what that word means. If you like the word champion, use that one instead. But ambassadors are out there, they're just talking about the organization and they are folks who are inviting people to know more. Would you like to know more about the Animal Rescue Fund? Would you like to know more about the Matthew Shepard Foundation? Right? You are an ambassador. Your job is to increase the sphere of influence of the organization. Did I say fundraise? I didn't, actually. I might get to that before number 20. But I didn't say fundraise. I said ambassador who invites folks to know more and to do more. Oh, look, it's number five. It's about fundraising. <laughs> so speaking of passion, something that you must come to the table with, your passion 
for the organization on whose board you serve needs to be greater than your fear of asking people for money. You got that? Your passion must be greater than your fear. So you're sitting there with an executive director, the development director, and you're talking with a prospect, and you, you're nervous about asking for money. But your passion for the organization and your understanding of that, what that money is capable of doing for your organization, that's what you need to think about. We'll come back to some other pieces of fundraising as I go through my next few. Number six, you do not have to be rich to be a board member. We call this myth-busting. And if you really want to hear the story uh, about someone who was not wealthy and became a very successful board member, have a listen to my one of my last podcasts called, um, I think, From Kitchen Volunteer to Board Chair. It'll tell you that story and bring it to life for you. Number six, you do not need to know rich people to be a great board member. Now, this can be hard to believe for some board members because staff and development directors for organizations lucky enough to have them seem to constantly be asking you whether or not you know any rich people who might be able to donate a lot of money. Well, they shouldn't be asking you that question. They might, they might say, hey, given your line of work, have you ever come into contact with Mary Smith? I have, yes, I have. I actually know Mary Smith, you know, pretty well. Do you think we might be able to get an introduction to Mary Smith? Oh, maybe. But you don't have to know rich people to join a board or to be a successful board member. You just have to be an enthusiastic ambassador who is willing to ask the question, would you like to know more? Would you like to do more? So the next time a staff member says, so do you have any names of rich people in your Rolodex? After you tell them that you don't have a Rolodex anymore, tell them that I said <laughs> that you didn't have to have rich people. I'm going to come back to how you're going to land on people who are going to be of value to the organization in lots of different ways. Number seven. Nope, sorry. Number eight. When you join a board, I'd like you to give some thought to something. You need to be really clear about what you want out of your board service. What success looks like for you? I would, you need to, right, you need to be able to describe for yourself. When I finish, assuming you have term limits, when I finish my three terms as a board member, this is what success looks like for me. I'd really, I'm, you know, I'm a person who does human resources. I'd like to make sure that we've, helped to bring on the best and the brightest people on the bus, that we have systems in place, and that I was able to provide strategic counsel to the executive director about that. Or I'm a finance person. 
I want to leave this board knowing that the organization is on really good, solid footing, and we finally have a cash reserve that reflects three to six months of operating expense. Right? Or maybe you are, in fact, a fundraiser, and you want to say, I want to learn how to be a really good fundraiser, and I want to be successful at it. But you should have some goals for yourself. It's one of the things that I always encourage executive directors to do is to meet with each board member and ask them this very question. What does success look like for you as a board member? Because if I can make, if I can, <laughs> if I know what success looks like for you and I know what it looks like for me and we can tie those things together, wouldn't that be fabulous for both of us, for the organization, the clients, or the community we serve? But if nobody asks you, take a minute. Have a conversation with your board chair, maybe with your executive director, and tell them, what does success look like for you as a board member? Number nine. This one is, feels so easy to me, and sometimes it seems so hard. You are a cheerleader for the staff of your organization. Right? You're supportive of them. You want them to be successful. You're cheering them on. So what does that look like? When an email comes from a staff member with some news, a programmatic success, we just got a big grant that we had been working on for six months. Do you know how long it takes to hit reply and say, I am so proud to be a board member, congratulations? Less than a minute. And do you know how many times I hear from executive directors and staff members that when they send out emails like that, they get crickets? Why? Is it not clear just how easy that is or just how valuable that is? Remember, when people are not driven to come to work every day by how much money they make, they're driven to come to work every day by the impact that they have and they, I would argue, they need that impact to be acknowledged, certainly, by the members of the other engine in the twin engine jet. Number 10. You need to contribute your own dollars to the organization. You need to give what I call a stretch gift. I would define this as you need to give a gift that is one of the top three charitable gifts you give every year. And that includes your alma mater, your house of worship, your top three charities. One of them should be the board on which you serve. There are people who actually think this is counterintuitive and say, well, you know, I give so much time. Why do I also have to give the most significant amount I give to any nonprofit during the year? Because people are watching, because people want to know, because foundations ask, because foundations expect 100% of your board to be participating, because the organization needs to know that you have big skin in the game at every single dimension. There you go.
stretch gift. Number 11. If you miss two board meetings in a row, can you call the board chair, apologize, explain, and have a real conversation about whether board service is for you? I see it all the time. I'll look at, I'll meet with a new client and someone will say to me, oh, oh don't, worry about, don't worry about her. She never comes to any meetings. And she's on the board list because? Well, uh, you know, we don't have term limits and uh, it's just very complicated. No, I don't think it's really that complicated. And by the way, if I show up to every meeting and Mary doesn't show up very often to any meetings, what does that tell me? Right? What kind of, how does that motivate me? So, please, if you're, maybe there's a reason you've missed two board meetings in a row and it's a legitimate one. People do have lives. And while I have said that board service is a job, every single one of you has other commitments and they do get in the way of your ability to attend meetings. It happens. Family gets in the, family can be, you know, one of those things. But don't, don't let people have to come and track you down. Raise your hand and say, you know, I missed the last two meetings and I would really like to explain what's going on with me. And maybe you want to free up the seat for someone who has a better ability to manage his or her time. Number 15. You should expect to be appreciated for every contribution you make to the organization. For good, smart, strategic thinking at a board meeting, and hopefully the executive director and the board chair have arranged and designed a board meeting that elicits that from you. Maybe you have maybe you have found a fantastic new board member that fills a gap that the organization had in terms of its needs. You should get a thank you note for your gift. Just recently was talking with somebody who said they were a board member and it took three months to get an acknowledgement letter. Like, that's so not okay. It's so not okay for any person who gives money to an organization. But for a member of the board, yikes. Right? The messages you send, you just have to be really careful. So, I know... Everybody out there knows that executive directors and staffs also uh, often like to play the sort of <laughs> complain about the board as sport. You know, there should really be a zero tolerance for it because then what happens is when folks make contributions, they are not appreciated for them and their lifespan on the board decreases dramatically. Number 16. How are we doing so far? Um, number 16, board members have power. They have power over the staff. I think sometimes board members don't realize they have power over the staff, that the power dynamic is hierarchical. I mean, I'm the person that talks about twin-engine jet and co-pilots and all of that, but it is true that the board wields power over the staff. And I would ask you to really think about that and use it and never abuse it. 
What do I mean by that? Oh. I, I have to tell you that I often encounter people that feel like they have been really treated poorly by board members who have some kind of a streak of arrogance or ego about what ought to be done, what should be done. Um, and it often comes from a place where they work at big organizations or big companies where they have assets and they have resources that aren't available to the nonprofit leader. Or this kind of situation where a board member will go straight to a staff member and say, I have a great idea for a new event that's going to happen in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I th I'm sure we can get a lot of people there. And your development director is in a situation where what she wants to say is, if we take on another event, uh, first of all, they're costly. There's no, we have no market. We have uh, prospects in Baton Rouge. Like, this is nutty. But she can't say that. So please be careful about how you wield the power you have as a board member. All right. So we are now up to number 17, and we are talking today. Actually, I am talking with myself today um, about what I'm kind of calling these words of advice for nonprofit board members or things I feel like you ought to know. A little myth-busting, some expectations, but really... These are the things I wish board members really understood about nonprofit board service. And I, that if I could sit in front of every new board member, what would I say? These are the things I would say. And we've talked about a whole bunch of things. We've talked that board service is a job, that you deserve a really good orientation, that you're not just an appendage as a board member you're part of a, of a twin engine jet, and the board is one of those engines. It's not over there, it's right here. We've talked about what it means to be an ambassador to the organization. That you might not always be asking for money, but you're always inviting people to know more and do more. When you do get to the point where you're gonna ask for money, you've gotta think about the fact that your passion for the organization is greater than your fear of asking for money. You don't need to be rich. You don't need to know rich people. You need to cheerlead for your staff. Something good happens, pick up the phone and call and say, wow, that was awesome. It makes me so proud to be a board member of abc.org. You yourself need to give a stretch gift one of the top three charitable gifts you make each year should be to the board you serve on. You know, I'm, I realize now I have 20 things, and I think that I have actually skipped a few. In fact, I've gotten very out of order. So I'm going to recap at the very end. But here we go. Here's another one. Expect your food to get cold at the annual gala. If you are sitting at your table during the entire gala and you are not working those tables, you are not doing your job. Have the waiter hold on to your food until you've gone and thanked people at other tables and then sit down, enjoy the good company of the folks you've invited, 
at your table and then eat your food. Another, keep your organizational glasses on at all times. What I mean is, when you become a board member, there's a certain lens through which you look at the world. And it should be about that organization. And so I'm at a barbecue and I've got on my, you know, I've got on my public justice glasses. And I'm really trying to think about this impact litigation nonprofit organization that's fighting corporate and government abuse. And there's not many lawyers at this event, but if I have my public justice glasses on, I can start up a conversation using lay terminology that might introduce somebody, that might be an opportunity for somebody who's hungry to get out of the fields and onto the, on, uh, get out of the stands and onto the field. It might be an opportunity. But if you don't have on your organizational glasses, you're not going to see it. Here's another one. You only need to have two good stories and three, two to three compelling facts to be a five-star ambassador. Two good stories, two compelling facts equals five-star ambassador. I think oftentimes board members think they need so much information in order to be a great board member, in order to sit down with a prospect or somebody who might you know, a community leader to talk about their board service and what the organization is about. Or my favorite, you know, at a fundraiser, what they'll do is they will, um, people will say, oh, you know, I really can't talk about the organization very well. Not very good for an ambassador, right? I can't really talk about the organization very well, but I'd really like you to meet our executive director. She is a rock star. Come on over, I'll introduce you. So I, you go over there, and there's like 12 people online t wanting to talk to the executive director. Some of those people are going to bail and head for the bar for another cocktail. We all know it. So if you're a good ambassador and you've got two good stories and two compelling facts, you can take care of the job yourself. All right, here's the next one. Come prepare to raise your hand to be of help to chair a committee, to join a meeting with a foundation program officer, to call to say congratulations to a junior staffer who scores a big victory for your organization. Remember what I said at the top, this is a job. What makes you successful at your job? Right? You just don't sit there and wait for somebody to give you something to do. The really good people, they raise their hand and say, hey, you know what needs to be done? Those are the people that get promoted. Those are the people that have really robust careers. The same is true with a board member as well. Is board members, boards need leaders. <laughs> they, they, they can't just be a whole passel full of people who, um, who follow the board chair. Because you don't always have a five-star board chair, frankly. Here's the next one. Your voice is as valuable at your first meeting as it is at your last. I've seen this, right? I'll do a board retreat with brand new board members and veteran board members, and people are so excited about these new board members, and here's what they say at the break. 
oh, I just don't think I, I feel like I'm just way too new to weigh in on this issue. You know, new is actually an asset in a discussion at a board meeting. A new voice, a new perspective. You were recruited for a reason. Not just to put a body in a seat, but because you brought something quite valuable. Because you brought something different, maybe diverse, a different perspective. And if you sit on that perspective and you don't open your pie hole and share it with people, oh, come on, then why did you join the board? You don't have to be on a listening tour for your first three or four board meetings. Please, every board meeting counts, whether you meet every other month or four times a year. Make the most of your participation. I have two more, and then I'm going to recap. It is your job to ask. Yes, I'm talking about fundraising. I'm talking about volunteering. I'm talking about would you like to be on our board? It is your job to ask. Once you've asked, your job is done because it's their job to decide. I find this a very um, comforting thing when I am fundraising because I can't control whether they say yes or no. I can only control whether I make the most compelling ask, tell the very best story, make the most compelling case for the unique gap that an organization fills and how their money will be invested wisely in the pursuit of our mission. Then they decide. It really takes a lot of responsibility. <laughs> it takes you really off the hook when you think about it that way. And then last but not least, this is not about your organization. It, to me, this is the soapbox I stand on a lot when I, when I visit with friends and relatives who don't sit on boards. They could, and in, to be judgmental, they should. So I would ask you, as a board member, be a champion of board service wherever you go because we need more people like you to raise their hands to say, yes, I will be of service. Yes, I will help increase the sphere of influence of this organization. Yes, I will help bring more resources to it. Yes, I will bring my strategic thinking, my common sense, my sense of humor, and my deep passion for this organization to every meeting I come to. Because if you do that right, you get way more than you give. So. I have just gone through 20 words of advice. I'm going to recap them ever so quickly because I'm quite sure I went out of order. <laughs> so here it is again, taking from the top very quickly. Number one, and maybe you weren't taking notes, so maybe you want to take them now. One, when you accept a board position, you've accepted a job. Number two, you and the board are not simply part of an appendage of the organization. You are one of the engines in a twin engine jet. You're not over there. You're right here, instrumental in the future of the organization. Number three, you deserve a really good board orientation. Number four, your job is to serve as a visible and vocal ambassador and to enthusiastically Invite people to know more and do more about an organization you are passionate about. Number five, 
Speaking of passion, your passion for the organization needs to be greater than your fear of asking people for money. Think about the people you serve. Think about the things you could do with the money you don't have. Get that fire in your belly, and it'll make you a very, very capable fundraiser. Number six, you don't have to be rich to be a great board member. Number seven, you don't need to know rich people to be a great board member. Maybe you're like the most excellent steward and cultivator of an existing donor. And so when, they, when it's time to renew, they like the organization so much better because they've been stewarded that they upgrade. <laughs> That's a contribution. Number eight, you need to be clear about what you want out of your board service and what success looks like for you. And if the ED doesn't ask you that, if the board chair doesn't ask you that, then tell them so that they work hard to meet your goals just as you work hard to meet theirs. Number nine, you're a cheerleader for your staff. Take a minute. Tell one of the staff members you're doing a, they're doing a great job. When an email comes out about a victory, please, in that moment, take one minute and respond. It's, it's gold for staff. Number 10, you need, to, you need to think about giving a stretch gift to that organization. It should be one of the top three charitable gifts you give to any nonprofit organization in a given year. Alma mater, house of worship, board service. Number 11, if you miss two board meetings in a row, call the board chair, apologize, explain, and have a real conversation. Maybe board service isn't for you, but step up and say so. Maybe there's just a, you know, an odd circumstance. Say that too, but just don't go missing in action. It's kind of disrespectful. Number 12, expect your food to get cold at the annual gala. You'll be working the room. Eat after you work the room. Or <laughs> eat before you go to the gala. Number 13, keep your organizational glasses on all the time. Look, through the, look at the world through the lens of your organization and its needs. I don't mean it in a creepy way. I mean it in a just see the world. And you'll, you'll see opportunities. You'll see, oh, I forgot. I know so-and-so's wife. Right, we were looking for new board members for an organization, and somebody said, oh, I should ask so-and-so. She might be really interesting. And then I got an email about two hours later and said, you know, while I was thinking about this whole issue of board service and I was thinking about Tanya, I realized that Tanya's husband is a retired major gifts officer for a large civil rights organization, and I think we should pursue him, and we did, and now he's on the board. But she did that because she had her organizational glasses on. Number 14, you only need to have two good stories and two compelling facts to be a five-star ambassador. You don't need to know a lot. You need to know a couple of things. And you need to bring the work to life. And you need to do it authentically. Number 15, you should expect to be appreciated for your contributions of time, treasure, or both. Number 16, please remember that you have power over the staff. 
I talk about it as a twin engine jet, but there is a bit of hierarchy, so please use that power with respect. Far too many board members abuse the power they have with staff, and it is, I say that nonprofits are messy, nothing makes it messier than that. Number 17, come prepared to raise your hand to be of help. Don't sit back and wait for somebody to ask you if you could help. Board boards need leaders, not just at the top. They need leaders throughout the organization, and a leader is a person who raises his hand or her hand. Number 18, your voice is as valuable at your first meeting as it is as your last. Number 19, it is your job to ask. You can't make somebody give you money or decide to be a board member. Your job is over once you've done a very good ask because it's your job to ask and theirs to decide. And last but not least, be a great board member and share the joy and privilege with other people who are not board members. There are so many nonprofit organizations desperate, hungry for great board members, and there are great people out there. They just don't know what you know that board service is a joy, a privilege, and that if you all do it right, you get, you get so much more than you give. All right, so those are my words. What I wish people knew about board service. What I would say to every new board member if I had the chance. I hope this was very helpful. I hope this was modestly helpful. Um, so with that, I'm gonna let you get on with your day. Um, I would just like to say a couple last things. I am always grateful that I have a platform to be able to share some of my advice, my thoughts about what it means to be part of nonprofits, um, the, the joy and privilege that comes with being a leader at a, on the board or the staff of a nonprofit. Um, Feel free, please, to join me at joangary.com. That's with two R's, G-A-R-R-Y.com, where I blog weekly. Uh, I have a, um, a new book out this year called Joan Gary's Guide to Nonprofit Leadership Because Nonprofits Are Messy, which you can find on Amazon.com. And um, also learn a little bit about a new project that I have called the Nonprofit Leadership Lab which is a membership site for the small and mighty nonprofit leaders, board and staff. You can learn more at nonprofitleadershiplab.com. And with that said, I am going, I am going. I'm leaving for two weeks of vacation. Um, I do some preaching about self-care and I'm not often good enough at it. And so I'm gonna give it a whirl and I will see you all at the end of August. Until then, thanks again for everything you do. Um, it's cheesy, but it is true. You're changing the world, and our world is grateful and better for it. Take care. Nonprofits Are Messy is a service of Joan Gary Consulting. Widely known as the Nonprofit Dear Abby, Joan's leadership blog reaches over 40,000 unique visitors monthly from over 150 countries. Subscribe at www.joangary.com.